Asymmetrical Haircuts Justice Update with Janet Anderson and Stephanie van den Berg. All rise. A heads up, this episode was recorded just about an hour before a massive blast tore through the center of Beirut, the capital of Lebanon. We don't refer to it in this podcast because obviously it hadn't happened yet when we recorded it. We still wanted to put out the episode because we think it gives a nice overview of the Ayash case and what to expect at the Lebanon Tribunal on Friday. Um, Just know that when Janet talks about Lebanon being politically a bit of a hot mess, obviously that's not some kind of uh, very undercooled British reaction to the blast. And with that, let's go to the episode. Hi, Janet. Hey, Stephanie. Um... Why are you calling? Uh, you know I'm on my holiday. I'm in uh, south of the Netherlands, in Limburg, out walking generally. Uh, nothing big happening, is there? Well, uh, that was the plan, but you know what happens with Bestley's plans. The Lebanon Tribunal came out and said they're issuing a final verdict uh, in their most important case, the Ayash et al. case, this Friday. Ah, uh. Okay, uh, the Special Tribunal for Lebanon, um, don't cover it hugely. I uh, know it's based in Lights and Dam. I've been there. I even actually covered it. I remember once when the prosecution was laying out some evidence, taking journalists to visit. But I think it must be Stephopedia time. Why don't you tell us all the full details? Well, I also had to read up a lot for this, uh, but I had to prepare for Friday. So in short, the tribunal was established in 2005 after the assassination of a former prime minister, Rafiq Hariri. Four men, originally five, but one of them died, are on trial. They are Salim Jamil Ayash, Hassan Habib Miri, Hussein Hassan Onesi and Assad Hassan Sabra. They're on trial, but they're on trial in absentia, so it's a trial without the accused, and they are all, uh, all four men are uh, accused of coordinating and helping and plan the attack and the assassination on Hariri, and uh, three of them are also implicated, according to the prosecutor, in a kind of very complicated plot after the assassination where they tried to plant a false claim of responsibility to divert suspicion from certain groups. And I do remember as well that uh, this tribunal is the first one, international one, uh, which is dealing with terrorism as well. Yes, because this is based in Lebanese law and Lebanese law has terrorism charges on the books. So this uh, is a kind of hybrid court that can decide on terrorism charges. To explain a bit more of the court and what it means, I spoke to Shannon Raj Singh, who's an American international criminal law attorney working for Guernica 37 International Justice Chambers. And up to recently, she was an associate legal officer at the special Tribunal for Lebanon, or STL, and I asked her about the importance of the ruling. This is uh, a judgment that's been certainly very long awaited, and I know there's a lot of anticipation in the ICL community, because this is a trial that's been going since 2014, and it sets really a lot of precedents, both in terms of how telecommunications evidence is handled, how in absentia trials can proceed, and then of course the nature of the charges themselves. So in terms of the ICL community, you know, this is certainly I think a judgment that's going to be impactful. But of course the real focus is going to be how it's perceived by the people of Lebanon, who are the ones that suffered the attack. You know, these are people that have been waiting not only since 2014 when the trial started, but all the way since February 2005 to find out what happened and 
what befell their loved ones. So I certainly hope the verdict will carry significance for the country in terms of ending impunity, you know, for, for these types of attacks. And the other thing is that, you know, the STL, as you know, is the first international criminal tribunal to ever um, address the crime of terrorism. And unfortunately, this is the way that modern atrocities are really too often being perpetrated. So unlike uh, so many other courts in The Hague that try the core crimes of genocide and war crimes and crimes against humanity, the STL is taking on these new crimes of terrorism and conspiracy to commit terrorism. And it has this very particular mandate, you know, about the attack that occurred. The other thing is that the field of international criminal law has, you know, until now, left atrocities perpetrated in the Middle East largely untouched. So this will be the first international tribunal to be uh, issuing a judgment on crimes occurring in the Middle East. And I certainly hope it won't be the last, you know, we have atrocities in Syria and Yemen and Iraq and Afghanistan that are also, you know, waiting to see, you know, the light of day in terms of an international tribunal. So perhaps the STL's verdict would be the beginning of some deterrent uh, uh, impact in terms of ICL being pursued in the region. Well, she's right. Um, it's definitely got a lot of points of uh, interest and uh, yeah, it has been going a long, long time. So I don't know whether so many people have been absolutely focused on it, as we've admitted, we haven't. But um, it may, as she said, have uh, quite a lot of impact. Yeah, I, I also asked Shannon about the evidence in the case, because uh, I think uh, I was with you that time when we had journalists come there and the prosecution presented this evidence, and it's all super technical telecommunications evidence, which cell tower pinged where, and a lot of it is very much based on the records they have from cell phone companies. And most of the witnesses that were there were either technical experts in like cell phone technology or historical experts who were talking about the political dimensions in Lebanon. Now, Shannon, of course, couldn't comment specifically on any pieces of evidence in the case because of her former job at the STL, but she could say a lot about kind of the general trouble uh, with this phone evidence or with this kind of evidence. The prosecution's case is entirely built on circumstantial evidence. So that's evidence that naturally relies on inferences. And it's telecommunications evidence that's gathered from three Lebanese telecommunications companies. So basically it's, um, it's not the content of the calls themselves, it's metadata about the call. So it's information about which phone number called which other number, how many minutes that call was, approximately where within Lebanon it was placed from and where it was received. And then along with that, you know, the, they do have the contents of text messages, but not the contents of the calls. And the basic gist of this is that the prosecution is trying to place certain cell phones in space and time in the months and weeks and hours leading right up to the attack and then demonstrate that not only were those phones in that certain place at that time, but then that it's reasonable to infer that the accused were indeed with their phones uh, at those places and times. So I think there's a, a huge number of challenges that arise in relation to this type of evidence. The defense has raised a lot of 
those challenges about the reliability and the weight that you can accord to it. But this is also really, you know, the evidence of the future is evidence data being collected from phones and it's used in civil and criminal trials all around the world. So I think that's just another way that the STL case will set all kinds of precedent for how this type of evidence is handled by an international court. So there's a lot of stuff that people are going to be commenting on, uh, interested in on the technical side, but um, what about the political implications of the judgments? Um, Lebanon's a bit of a hot mess right now, both politically and economically, um, and there is very deep divisions religiously, ethnically, that, that have been going on for a long time. Well, that's going to be a real, real issue because uh, prosecutors say the accused are all linked to the pro-Syrian Hezbollah and they kind of say that the motive for the assassination is that they wanted to get him out of the picture because he wanted to end Syrian influence in Lebanese politics. But this is, of course, very sensitive and Hezbollah is an important kind of political force in Lebanon at the moment. It could be very disruptive for Lebanese politics if Hezbollah is named specifically as uh, the perpetrator of this attack. And so the the question is really, what are the judges going to say about the role of Hezbollah or the motive? Prosecutions in their final trial brief said that the judges don't have to rule on what the motive is, just that the accused planned and helped carry out the attack. But, you know, this is an international court. Part of how a lot of judges see themselves is also kind of establishing a historical or legal truth. So they might want to address the motive. And it's going to be very interesting to see how in this verdict are they going to deal with the question or were these people linked to Hezbollah? And could you say that Hezbollah planned this attack? Because that gives the, the judgment a whole new political dimension. But um, they could also be very narrow and keep it just strictly to this criminal case. So we'll, we'll have to see that on Friday. Yeah, you'll be there? Yes, I'm going to be there, but uh, I'm literally jumping into a camper van right after the judgment is read out uh, because this is my holidays were supposed to start on Friday. Um, so our listeners will have to check my Reuters stories or Twitter to find out what happened because we really both will be on holiday and there will be no no recording. Well, we have to promise, though, that we will be back in September and we'll have uh, a load uh, more interesting episodes then. Definitely, definitely back in September and having some nice episodes lined up for everybody. So enjoy the holidays and you'll hear us in a month. Bye bye. Bye. Asymmetrical Haircuts is presented by Janet Anderson and Stephanie van den Berg. This episode has obviously been recorded at home, but we'd still like to give a shout out to our regular host, Humanity Hub, and we hope to return there soon. Music was by audionautics.com. We're available on all major podcast apps. Give us a rating and spread the word.